People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. You guys, this is the first time actually in forever that Julie and I are together in studio doing a non-guest episode. We've only really had one guest episode that we've been together for also. Is this very weird? It's, oh, it's bizarre. We normally don't see each other. Like we don't even do it on Zoom. We are in completely separate, even if we're in the same exact house, same apartment, we are in different rooms, different sides of whatever space we're in. This is like very strange, but this is how we used to do it. I I can't believe, looking at you right here, doing it like this, (laughs) it feels more bizarre than I can even put into words for you. Does it bring you back a little bit though to pre, to, to, again, to pre-pandemic, like 2019? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. I don't really remember. I do. I remember what it was like to go in and have a guest. I don't remember what it was like to sit and record and just go in for a regular episode together. I mean, you guys are on this ride with us. We're going to have to see how it goes. My my biggest fear is though people are like, it was so much better that way. You have to do it like this. <laughs> I can't imagine that because I think that I have stage fright even sitting here doing this with just you. You can't have stage fright. You got it. We know we have, you have to get over that. Let's, let's have a moment. <laughs> I don't think it's like a conscious stage, right? I just know that it's a little bit performative. Well, I I never want you to be performing. Oh my God, just start this damn episode. <laughs> okay, so it's very funny. Heather Dubrow left. You took her spot. Here we are. Feels beshared to me. It's very beshared. Okay. As you guys know, we are recapping Courtney and Kim Take New York season two. We have come to the end. So this is episodes nine and 10. And what an ending to a pretty fucking wild season. Is episode 10 one of the best episodes ever, if you were ranking? Yeah, I mean, specifically that scene of Kim where she's crying to Courtney. I, re-watching it now, I remembered how hard it hit the first time. I will say what's impressive for Chris Humphrey's legacy is that a lot of the best Kardashian episodes exist. I don't want to even say in spite of him. It's potentially because of him that they're so good. Well, think about it. Specifically at this point in time, what else could have gotten Kim to that breaking point? There was nothing else that could have been that annoying, that infuriating, that upsetting to the point where she had that type of a breakdown. And by the way, might I add, that type of a breakdown wearing full glam. Right. But even if we talk about Bora Bora, which I think is one of the best episodes or series of episodes, it wasn't necessarily that he was causing her to have a breakdown other than throwing her in the water and her losing her time endearing, but those are still some of the best episodes in Kardashian history, and he was a part of them. And you know what? 
if they were going to be married at all, specifically for 72 days, let her get something out of it. Right. You know? Right. So episode nine begins with Courtney and Kim walking through Central Park. And this is when Kim brings up the idea to Courtney about potentially going to a medium because they're nearing the time of the year where it's the anniversary of Robert's passing. They're passing the Plaza Hotel, which is where they used to stay with him. And she's feeling, you know, not only nostalgic and very much missing him, but also Kim is going through a lot in this moment. And you can tell she's really looking for guidance. And I think... Specifically, if she could hear from someone that even remotely tells her what her dad would tell her, I think she finds that very comforting. And so she brings it up to Courtney. She tells Courtney that Chris, meaning Chris Humphreys, is very against it for religious reasons, but she kind of wants Courtney's opinion. And Courtney is also very much not down. What was interesting was when Kim first brings it up to Courtney, she's like, do you know what a medium is? And Courtney's like, no, not really. And then she explains it to her and she's like, oh, yeah, like, I guess I kind of know what that is. I think the reason that it's interesting that it was Courtney's first reaction is not necessarily that she was down on it at the time. Like, I think she was a much more skeptical person then. I think also towards the end of the episode, she makes a comment about how, you know, her dad always told her not to go to mediums or go to psychics or anything of that nature. But I do think it represents such a switch in terms of where Courtney was then versus where she is now, because she wouldn't even give it a second thought now. And you see her in these episodes kind of starting on that journey of like, you know, really on her health journey, starting to go to different cleanses. But it's something that we've definitely seen evolve a lot over time. Oh, she's a lot more open-minded to, to things that would fall under that category. You can basically categorize it under things they offer at Canyon Ranch. Courtney, as the episodes progress, is more down for more of those things. Right. And also, it was a different time then. Like, these things weren't as common. These things weren't as spoken about. These things weren't as understood. And so the initial skepticism of Courtney, I think, was a little bit more understood. What I think wasn't understood was the way that it was then impacting Kim and especially Chris's aversion to it in like the most judgmental way affecting Kim. And we're, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. So the next scene is Chris on the phone with his sister Kayla, who's coming to New York. And when Kim comes into the room, she hears him on the phone. She realizes that he's basically planned this entire trip for his sister to come without telling her, which again, straight out of the Chris Humphreys playbook, to him having to, quote, tell Kim ahead of time feeds into this power dynamic that he is by no means on board with of like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I don't have to ask your permission where she's coming from the angle of it's not asking my permission. It's just that if you want me to spend time with your sister, I need to have a little bit of a heads up. And for such a simple concept that I actually think is not Kim specific or celebrity specific, anybody that has someone from a different state coming in from out of town, you want a little bit of a heads up. It's a very normal thing to expect. Oh, 100%. It just was, he was taking anything he could to try and stick it to Kim and to prove a point. And their entire relationship became about that. Like there was not an aspect of their relationship that didn't turn into this power struggle, power dynamic, Chris trying to prove a point, prove his masculinity to the point where if you're Chris and you're looking at it, at a certain point, you've just completely lost the plot. Well, totally. And and he says to her at the end of this, he's like, maybe take the 10 minutes that you spend with me and spend them with her instead, which is a very telling line in that out of this whole conversation, that's the one thing he's not totally wrong about because they really hadn't spent time together. But that's because she couldn't stand being around him, which we really see start to pick up as these episodes go on. What I think is so interesting is they both couldn't stand being around each other. Like there was nothing that he wanted to do with her, but he would have stayed married to her for so much longer. Part of that could be religious beliefs in terms of not necessarily believing in divorce. But also, I think that 
this little game of the power struggle and sticking it to Kim and doing whatever he wanted, I think it was fun for him. So even though she was driving him crazy, there were things about her that he clearly didn't like. Her family was fucking driving her crazy. As long as he kept playing his little game, he was happy. There was nothing that Kim was getting out of this at any point. No, it was like 0%, which again, we will really get into. The next scene, we have Scott and Courtney. They're in the park just together, the two of them, which I know you said this to me right before we started recording. It's like, yes, thank God they're not together now, but holy shit, these were the glory days. They had a lot of fun together. One thing you have to say is that when they had fun, they had so much fucking fun. It wasn't peaceful. It, w- it was never as peaceful as it is with Travis, but this type of fun, and listen, I think it's hard to replicate that type of fun when there's so much more going on in your life. You know, they had one kid, they could kind of do whatever they wanted. They had so many less commitments. Of course, it's a, they're in a totally different phase of life, but holy shit, eating just cupcakes in bed together, walking through Central Park with like not an obscene amount of paparazzi. You you will never be able to recreate that. One of the things in this scene is that they get this caricature drawn of them and it goes on to this whole plot where Scott really wants to have photos of them in the house and Scott wants to have a portrait done of them. And Courtney is so anti any type of picture being hung in the house, which is funny because we've heard her say that before. Like she has multiple times made reference to the fact that she does not like any framed photos in her house. She thinks it's cheesy. She thinks it looks bad. I'm so curious because I I can't see it in my head if her house now is still like that. I think she has to have framed photos. I think she's, I can't remember. There was definitely a part about this in a relatively recent episode, I feel like. Not uh, not necessarily of the Kardashians, but of Keeping Up, right? I I couldn't remember if she said the thing about not liking framed photos in an old episode that we were watching, so like older than New York, or if it was more recent Kardashians that she said it in. I think it's also more recent. Probably both. I I think generally speaking, she's not thrilled with the framed photo. Well, I also think part of it is just like that is Chris's entire MO. Like her entire house is these giant framed photos everywhere. Think about the old house. They had that wall of portraits. I remember it was such a big episode when Caitlyn finally got one, which was like, can't even get into that right now. But- I think that Kim and Chloe loved that and took that on. And I think it just pushed Courtney into the exact opposite direction. It was almost an act of rebellion. Exactly. Well, it's really funny, actually. I'm sure we could go through a lot of things exactly like that, that at the surface appear not super serious, but you could probably trace it back to her, whether you want to call it rebelling, whatever the correct word is, just really going against, even subconsciously, something that Chris made such a personality trait. Right. Okay, so this next scene, just quickly going back to the medium plot line, this is when Kim calls her publicist, Jill Fritzo, who also happens to be the publicist for this guy, John Edward, who's the medium Kim was talking about. And, you know, he's the real deal. If you're going to go see someone, this is the guy. And she basically calls Jill to see his availability, which I actually have to say, this is so minor, like not worth discussing. But when she says to Jill, you know, I'm really interested, of course, if you're this guy's publicist, having Kim on would be Amazing. I mean, she doesn't have the reach she has now, but she was still very famous, very much a lot of, you know, a lot of eyes on her at the time. But Jill's reaction was like, listen, I know he's crazy busy. I know he's constantly traveling. Let me see if he can get you in. And I was wondering if she was never going to say it, but if for like a half a second, that was kind of humbling for Kim. It's like, I think she expected she's finally on board with the medium. She's going to call this guy and he will move mountains to get her. And he's like, listen, I'm going to be in Australia tomorrow. I got 12 hours if you can make it work. I wonder if they would have even made it work at that time if it wasn't a 
going to be on the show plotline. Like if the publicist had called and said, listen, Kim Kardashian really wants to do this. It's a very private thing for her. She's not going to talk about it on the show. Could you make availability for her? Now, anybody would drop anything to do it for her because even the slight possibility that she would post about it on her story would be worth it. Or even just to talk to her and have that experience of it being her and be able to tell other clients that you did her reading, that's all you really need. But I'm sure at this point it was like, that's how she got the appointment. Like they said to him, you know, she's going to feature this on her show if you could make an availability. Yeah, which we, of course, we will get more into. Next scene, this is when Chris's sister, Kayla, arrives at the apartment. And when she gets there, Kim's exhausted. She goes up to bed. And you can see that this is when it's starting. Like, not that Kayla was expecting this overly warm welcome, but if you're her, it's a little bit unsettling that you finally get to New York and your husband's new wife, who you're trying to get to know, is nowhere to be found. Obviously, if I'm Kim, I totally get it. I'm exhausted after a very long day and I had no warning that she was coming. Well, Kim also is in this period of feeling like she has to avoid Kayla for the purpose of like, A, not lying to her, but also like a sister knows. You know what I mean? It's one thing to feel like, oh, I don't want to get too close to her. I don't want to end up hurting her. It's not necessarily that Kim couldn't, you know, navigate her way through that. It was that the second that she was with Chris and with his sister, she would have been caught immediately. Yep, exactly. And she was very cautious of that. It's shocking that Chris has sisters. Based on the way that he was with the women in the family, I know. You would think that he came from a very male-dominated household and had very little interaction with women. He has a, he has huge, (laughs) no offense, only child energy. Yeah, he does. I I do not relate to him. No, (laughs) I don't think that, I mean, there are some, some only child traits that you have, but mostly I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. No, I will say, like anytime that comes up when we're somewhere, like in a group, you always make a point to say that of like, yeah, but you're not, you're not the way people typically describe it. And I really appreciate that you do that because you coming from like three girls, you would, you have a better gauge. Like it's one thing for me to say, I don't think that I fall, but like, who am I? You can't say that about yourself, but you always say that about me. And I appreciate that. I think it's also because a lot of your main qualities, not just like, oh, like, oh, she does this. And like, that's not very only child. Like your main qualities in terms of like being generous and good at sharing are like so anti-only child that it like feels like an important point to make. Well, I very much appreciate it. Okay, so moving on. This, I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I like recording in person. I actually think it's fun. What do you think? I haven't decided yet. I Okay, let me tell you, we should definitely test it with a normal episode that's not a Kardashian episode because with this one, it's so much recapping. Like you're really looking at the screen because obviously we have to see what scenes are coming up. Whereas like, if we're talking about Kylie and Timothy, that's just the conversation that we would be having while we're walking. I, I think that, I think I'm enjoying this more than I thought. <laughs> I think that if we were doing a regular episode, I would be, I would be better. Oh, I think you're amazing. Oh, thank you. I've been at it quite a while. (laughs) Okay, so next scene, Scott and Courtney go to get a professional portrait done because for Scott, it's really important that him and Courtney have some sort of a photo together. He knows she doesn't like actual photographs, so he makes this grand gesture to have a photo painted of them. He takes her to the thing. I don't want to get too much into this plot line because in the scheme of things, it's definitely very much fluff. The thing to note here is that a theme that constantly comes up is Scott trying to do something that he's taking seriously and Courtney just not really validating his efforts. And I think part of the thing with Scott and Courtney in terms of how much fun they have together, so much of that fun comes from Scott being like so like silly and goofy and also very over the top with the way that he is 
you know, showing that side of himself to Courtney. And so a lot of the times when he is taking something seriously, he is not explaining it with the same level of seriousness that he's feeling it with. And so he's joking about this portrait. She's assuming that he's joking also. And I also think that the way that Courtney views Scott is like, yeah, he's an amazing dad. He is a good partner at this point in time, but we've certainly had our ups and downs. And so even when he is being sincere, it's not given the benefit of the doubt that the sincerity is necessarily there and as important to Scott as he's portraying it to be. Right, which like I can't entirely blame her for that. Right, it was just the biggest fault in their relationship because he was just not given the benefit of the doubt part of the time because he didn't deserve it. And even when he did deserve it, he was never fully able to get it because there were so many times where he didn't deserve it. It impacts both ways. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that we constantly see and we'll continue to see more of. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so we're now back to this plot line of Chris's sister, Kayla, being in town. And Kim, yes, is actually busy and has limited time to see her, but also she's kind of avoiding her because she doesn't want Kayla to catch wind of the tension that is so palpably there with her and Chris. And so Kim's in the car running around to a bunch of different meetings and Kayla calls her. And Kim's like, yeah, maybe maybe we can make it work. Like, call me after your next thing. I'll call you after this meeting, which I blame Kim 0% for this. She had zero warning that Kayla was coming. She had a million things going on. She also was consciously not trying to see her for this reason. However, if I'm Kayla knowing nothing, 
I of course understand why she thinks Kim's mad at her. Like she wasn't doing it intentionally, but she could not have been more dismissive. Oh yeah, there was zero effort made. And also if you're Kayla and you know nothing about what's going on, because obviously Chris Humphreys isn't calling home to report the real facts. Like when Chris Humphreys calls home, everything's great. Everything's perfect. New York is wonderful and his marriage with Kim is great and there's no further details given. So if you're Kayla, you're not getting any of that. No, which is what we're about to get into in a second. Just a side note, in the same scene, this is when Kim gets a call from the medium, John Edward, who says, I can make it work. I'm going to travel. If you can do it tomorrow, I can do it. And- they end up doing it, which we'll get into. Okay, Chris is now in the city with Kayla and they go to work out in the morning, of course. That's that's the one thing, I mean, not the one thing he cares about a lot, but he wants to get that morning workout in. He is committed. And you know what's funny, which we see later on when they go to Pilates together, him and Kim, and like she's obviously ready to kill him and she leaves. In this current era of her life when working out is so important to her and specifically the type of working out that he would forget about appreciate that he would respect because you know there's a lot of her shit that he wouldn't respect in terms of what she does, but like these heavy lifting and the the type of cardio she does, like he has this complex being an athlete that he just simply knows better. This is like one area where they could actually be pretty compatible in now. Right. But at this time, that it was not a priority for Kim at all. She would do a workout class here or there, Pilates once in a while. But, like, Kim was not waking up in the morning and spending any extra time doing something like going to the gym that she didn't need to do. That motherfucker had her, her shape-ups on, and that was all she that needed. That was all she needed. Yeah, true. She was, that's, that was a realistic ad, honestly. That's I, one thing you can't say. I also think it's a genius product. You've always said this. I mean, think about it. All we do is walk. If I could walk and also lift my ass while I was walking, like. I know, but that's, I guess, the 12, 330, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'm not, this this takes away the whole incline. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so when Chris is having this conversation with Kayla, he says, you know, working out is so great, it's the best stress reliever. And she asks why he's stressed. Again, this is the first she's hearing of this. Like, as far as they are concerned, it's, if I'm the Humphreys family, I'm thinking everything is beyond copacetic. I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving in Lake Minnetonka. Exactly. Or I'm getting ready to go to Calabasas. Little do they fucking know. Okay, so he says... You know, we were talking about kids and where we're going to live and this and that. She wants to keep working, and I just don't know if she's going to be willing to make the sacrifices. Again, keep in mind, at no point in any of this does he mention himself making sacrifices. Anytime Chris talks about the future and changes that they may have to make to accommodate children or anything, it's always the sacrifices Kim is going to have to make because, God forbid, her career has any importance at all, but specifically any importance, comparatively speaking, to his. What's also interesting that doesn't get brought up in terms of both of their careers is that only one of their career has an expiration date. Like, Kim can do this for fucking ever. He didn't think she would because he didn't think that the world cared about her in that way, and he didn't think what she did was important, and therefore he didn't respect it enough to care for her to keep doing it and prioritize it. But he factually can only play basketball for so long. Yeah, and but you never hear that. No. That's not, that is like the last narrative that's ever spoken about. And by the way, if she did say something like that, he would have lost his mind. Well, what's so funny also is in terms of like the two of them fighting. If I'm Kim right now, like, and I care about my marriage with Chris, his sister coming to town and not telling me is a huge blowout fight. She is so fucking thankful that he did not tell her that Kayla was coming because now she has such a valid excuse to not have to hang out with her. Totally. And also, aside from the fact that she was actually happy because it provided her some much needed distance, she also like was relatively apathetic to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You know? 
So anyway, Kayla says back to Chris, speaking of Kim, is she mad at me? I haven't seen her at all. We haven't hung out. I thought it would be a great week to get to know her better. And he says, I mean, she's busy at work. And Kayla's like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, I mean, it's hard because she's working. And Kayla says, well, I'd really like to, you know, get to know her better and hang out with her. She's my sister. So, you know, just let her know. And Chris says, okay, we can arrange that. Narrator. They did not arrange that. (laughs) One thing they did not do was arrange that. (laughs) That was never getting arranged. No, no. Kayla, innocent Kayla. She really had had no idea what was coming for her. Okay, so next scene, we have Kim, Chris, and Scott. And Kim is telling Courtney that John Edwards is able to meet with her. She asked Courtney to come. And Courtney's like, I really don't agree with it. I don't think that you should do it. And in her confessional, Courtney's saying that she doesn't doubt that John can speak to people who have passed, but Kim should just have faith that their dad is there and he's around them. And she feels like Kim doesn't need to meet with a medium to have that faith. And so again, she reiterates to Kim, you know, I don't think you should do it. And she's like, listen, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my own decision. And I just want you to respect it. I, I want to touch on that later. Like we'll get more into that conversation, but it's very interesting, specifically the way that Scott reacted to that. Yes. Okay. Keep that in the back of your mind, everyone. So next scene, truly nothing to mention here other than we just need to paint this visual for anyone who is listening and isn't watching along because shockingly, a lot of people do that. Do you know that? I, you know, I heard a reverse. (laughs) Courtney and Scott are just sitting in bed. They're eating chips, eating cupcakes, watching TMZ. And he says to her, this is the life, isn't it? It's like old times. That was one, I, I can't explain it. Like in the two episodes, right? Like we have the two most dramatic episodes of the end of Chris and Kim's marriage. And my favorite scene is Courtney and Scott in bed eating chips and cupcakes. I know. Doesn't that tell you something? It tells me a lot. Yeah. But it, it doesn't tell me anything I didn't know. Exactly. Okay, so we now have the unlikely duo of Scott and Kayla hanging out at the Gansevoort. She's just waiting for Chris to come back. And she says to Scott, you know, I haven't really seen Kim at all. And Scott's saying, Kim's schedule is so busy this week. And also, and I quote, no offense, but she had no idea you were even coming. And you can tell, I think Kayla's a little bit offended that Kim didn't know, which, by the way, the only person to blame there is her brother. And Scott is saying in his confessional, it's crazy that Chris didn't give Kim the heads up that his sister was coming and that, you know, they clearly need to communicate more. He's like, I knew that it was bad, but I didn't know that it was this bad because they are so not on the same page. They're not even in the same fucking book. It's so unfortunate just for Scott's sake that Chris Humphreys couldn't last a little bit longer in the family because nobody made Scott look better. And not just because it was comparative that Scott looked better. It was like every single time Chris fucked up, Scott came in with like, oh, here's my time to shine. Like, here's, I'll show you how to be in a relationship. And I'll show you how to be a partner. Like, oh my God, for Scott to be the full voice of reason at every turn in these episodes, except for, you know, running away to Toronto with Chris Humphreys, was like, that was the arc that Scott needed. I know. And the other thing also, not that Kim needed the validation, obviously, but like, It is validating to have Scott be absolutely horrified at the sheer idea that Chris's sister would be coming to town and he wouldn't tell Kim. Like, no, him and Courtney aren't married, but for all intents and purposes, they are. And it's like, he would never, if Scott hypothetically had siblings or any friend or anyone, he would just know that's not something that you do. And so for him to be so horrified, it completely, again, not that Kim needed this validation because anyone would understand it. But I do think if I'm Kim and I'm watching back this episode, for example, I'm so happy that Scott has that reaction. The only reverse of Scott's position in all of this is that when Scott was younger and he would fuck up, it was like he did the wrong thing, but Courtney could always let him get away with it as if like he didn't know better. It was a maturity thing. And, you know, he was learning. And once he made this mistake, he wasn't going to make it again. 
From this point on, once Scott fucked up, it was like, oh, but we know you know better. Like, you are now doing this despite a lot of prior knowledge and also expressing not only that you know better, but you, like, have every intention on doing better and it's so important to you to do better. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so this next scene, Kim is on the phone with Chris and she's telling him that she just got this text from Kayla that says, hey, Kim, I'm so sorry I came out here during a bad time for you. I feel terrible. And Chris is on the phone. He's like, listen, I'm pulling up to the hotel. Let's just talk about this when I get upstairs. And so Kim is in her confessional saying that Kayla left before she was meant to. And Kim thinks that she left because Kayla thinks that Kim was trying to avoid her, which like she was, but not for the reason that Kayla thinks she is, which by the way, is such an uncomfortable thing to have to try to explain to someone. It's like, you're not wrong, but it's actually not about you. Right. It's like, I can't tell you why, but very, very soon you'll know. Like, I feel like that was such a comforting thought for Kim where she was like, you know what? I could explain myself right now, but this isn't going to be going on much longer. Exactly. Anyway, so Chris now comes upstairs. They kind of have the conversation. Kim is filling him in on what Kayla said to her, which is that, you know, she's sorry that she came at a busy time and maybe they'll get to hang out more next time. And Chris is in his confessional saying, you know, it's not cool that Kim didn't make an effort with Kayla and you have to make time for things that you care about. And he just feels so bad that Kayla felt so uncomfortable that she felt the need to leave New York, which is like quite literally the only person you have to blame there is yourself because yes, Generally speaking, Kim would have wanted that distance because she wouldn't want Kayla to have caught wind. However, if she had a warning, like she would have just faked it. Right. Like if she had to, she would have. Yes. Could Kim have gotten a cup of coffee with her? Yes. Should she have hypothetically done that? Probably just for the sake of Kayla not knowing what was going on and Kim pretty much knowing that Kayla didn't know what was going on. But again, it's Chris's fault. There was zero heads up given. I just, every time I I watch their interactions and the way they communicate with each other, it is just, it's crazy. Like, Chris is fully incapable of taking responsibility for anything. Well, and what he says to her here is, you know, you could at least make a little bit of an effort. I mean, you make time for Chloe, your mom, everyone that comes in town. What? She, She says, she's like, yeah, because I know that they're coming. It's planned. Again, He's not entirely wrong in that Kim could have just sucked it up and gotten a cup of coffee for Kayla's sake, like you said. Like, everything else aside, even if you didn't want her to catch tension, like, just the two of you do that because this poor girl has no idea what's going on. But, like, for him to... Don't compare it to Kris Jenner coming to town. We're we're not talking the same. Right. And also, it's not to say that you couldn't have a relationship with your sister-in-law that eventually blooms to a place where you could then compare it to your real sister. I think a lot of people are lucky enough to have that. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're not there. First of all, you as Kim's partner is not deserving of that kind of respect being extended to you. Not that his sister isn't deserving of it. She didn't do anything wrong. But if you are going to insist that your family is as equally family to your wife, then like you also have to do that for her side of the family and you're incapable of doing that. So you can't expect the reverse. And also you are fully aware of the fact that They don't know each other. You guys got married too quickly. Your families did not intertwine in that way. And so you cannot compare the fact that Kim is with her fucking sister, who she has known her entire life, compared to your sister, who she's met only a couple of times because you rushed into this so quickly. And by the way, the last time Chloe was in town, you were the one saying that you, and I quote, fucking hate her. Right. So I hate hate your sister. I hate your sister. Like, yeah, yeah, just a lot there. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. 
Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Okay, so back to Courtney and Scott for a second. We're now circling back to this portrait plot line where he finally has the portrait completed. He wants to do this kind of dramatic unveiling. And when he unveils the portrait that he had done of him and Courtney, he sees that he has a unibrow because Courtney, without his knowledge, told the artist, you know, fuck around a little, give him a unibrow. Again, this is so not worth deep diving because in the scheme of things, it is such a filler plot. However, I do think he was genuinely upset by this. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think that the entire concept of them not having photos together was something that upset him because it felt— I think the way that their relationship was, was even though they had Mason and they were in such a good place, it felt like that at any point it could end up in a not bad place. And so I think that he was looking for some sort of physical representation to be like a long-term example of their relationship and their family. Like he wanted to look at a picture of their family together. He didn't want to just have the knowledge of like, no, 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 we're a family. Don't worry about it. Like he wanted to, he wanted that security of that. And something like literally tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And so this next scene after Courtney apologizes and she's like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I made a joke out of it. They then do a photo shoot on the roof of the Gansevoort photographed by Kim, which 
the thing that I have to say about this is it just felt so vintage. Like you remember your friends after school on the little like digital camera taking a photo shoot exactly like this. And by the way, thinking that those pictures were unbelievable. You know what the issue with the pictures was? What? Scott doesn't photograph well. He doesn't. That's why Courtney didn't want pictures. Well, there were other reasons, but he, yeah. Does he still not? No, because he got a beard. Yeah. A beard is makeup for men. What do you think? I'm trying to think. Do you prefer him with a beard now? Oh, my God. 100%. I can't even, like, there's no comparison. I think that brought him up, like, three points. Did he always do it for you, like, in the earlier days? No. It wasn't until he got the beard. He always did it for me on some level because he was, like— Jewish and had Jewish blue eyes. Jewish and, yeah, and, like, funny. But once he got the beard and, like, it came out in the later seasons, I was like, oh, he actually— Do you like the name Scott? Yeah. I think it's such a hot name. It's a name. hot name, Yeah. I actually call me crazy. I don't even mind Scotty. I.E., not why. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good talk, good talk. <laughs> okay, so next scene, we have Kim banging on the door to her in Chris's room, and she's saying in her confessional that she tried to talk to him about the medium, John Edward, and he was not having it. He totally flipped out. And Kim is in her confessional saying that she tried to talk to Chris about John Edward. He wasn't having it. He totally flipped out on her. And she's saying, you know, the two people closest to me, Courtney and Chris, are not being supportive about this. And she's now telling Courtney about the whole situation and him shutting it down. And as she's telling Courtney, he walks downstairs. She's trying to go after him and he's just not having it. Like they literally go into the elevator. He leaves the elevator because he just will not have the conversation. And in her confessional, she's saying, you know, here's Chris giving advice to Courtney and Scott about their problems and their relationship. But when it comes to himself, he can't understand when there's an issue in his own life. And Courtney says, which is such an important line of the episode, I don't understand. I just don't think normal people hate the people that they're with this much. Hit the nail right on the head there. As simple as that. Nothing else needs to be said. Well, that was the other thing that Kim really was searching for was... I think that Kim was trying so hard to decide what of her feelings were valid and normal and what was kind of like reactionary. And so, you know, when you hear, oh, couples fight, like it's, you know, every couple gets into these arguments. Every couple goes through these phases where they can't stand each other. Like what she was looking for was like, this isn't normal. And like, you are actually not fighting in a way that like, oh, there's love behind this. You are fighting in a way where you can't stand each other. And that's one of the things that she brings up to to Chris, it's not like she inherently knows this isn't normal. She feels off, but she's, when you, you know, when you've gotten yourself into this place in the first place, it's hard to then trust your gut in the aftermath of it. And so she's constantly searching for this answer of like, is this normal what I'm feeling? And so for Courtney to unprompted say, just so you know, the person you're with, you are not supposed to hate them this much. I think was like, she really needed to fucking hear that. Especially coming from Courtney, who had so many issues with Scott. It's not like she's coming from this perfect relationship, but at the core of it, no matter what was going on, they did like each other and they were friends. Lamar and Chloe, they liked each other and they were friends. Rob and Adrian in their heyday, they liked each other, they were friends. Kim and Chris were never friends. And it's not to say you have to be friends first with the person, but you weren't here when Heather was talking. She was saying like, she's like, Terry is my best friend. And I think that that's a, I think that that is a beautiful thing. It's definitely the relationship that I want in my life. I mean, you're hanging out with that person every day or Constantly. pretty much every day. Like you, you, you have to be friends with somebody to want to hang out with them. You can like somebody all you want. You know what I mean? Like you can enjoy their company. You have to be friends with somebody to want that company in like an excess. Yeah. <laughs> like, like us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we now have Courtney and Scott talking about the whole medium thing. And Courtney's saying, I really can't believe that Kim is doing it. 
And Scott's like, if she wants to, there's no reason for her not to. And this is when Courtney reveals that their dad used to tell them they shouldn't do psychics, they shouldn't do mediums or anything like that, which you can tell is one of the reasons she feels so strongly against it. And she asked Scott, you know, if I were to do, what would you say? And he's like, I don't feel good or bad about it. If, if you asked me, I wouldn't push you in either direction. It's up to you and I would just be there for you. And he tells her, like, you have to support Kim because clearly she's going through a lot in her life right now and it's something that she needs, which, again, number one, Scott being the voice of reason. But second of all, and I I don't remember if Kim says this upcoming or she said this previously and we didn't mention it. The other reason I know that what we're talking about here is, is Courtney not being okay with it, which she reveals is because of Robert. But one of the reasons that it pissed me off so much that Chris was so against it, it's like, if this is something that goes against your religious belief, I fully respect that. And nobody is telling you that you have to do it. Absolutely. Like everybody has the right to those boundaries. But unless you have lost a parent, you can't relate to that feeling of wanting to on some level connect with them. And so no one's telling you that you have to do it, but your partner that lost her dad and it's nearing the anniversary of his death and she's clearly going through a very emotional time you have to support her. Or at the very least, you can't not support her. Even if you don't want to explicitly give your blessing, you can't make her feel guilty about something when you don't even know what it's like to long for your parent. You know, it's such a clear and stark example in terms of the way that Chris changed once they got married. Because prior to the wedding, Chris wanted something from Kim. Like, Chris wanted marriage from Kim. Chris wanted that lifestyle from Kim. And so... He had to do whatever it took to get her down the aisle. Now that he got her down the aisle and they were married, he wasn't having in his mind, oh, I have to keep her now. He had already done what needed to be accomplished. And so when you see Kim have this moment of upset about her dad prior to her wedding, he is so supportive. They go to his grave together. He is really trying to understand what that is like for Kim to have to get married without her parent there. Now that they're married— There's no part of Chris that is sitting there being like, oh, it is now my job again to be that comforting presence for her. Like she lost her father. And you know what? I don't agree with this. I'm going to step in and be so comforting to that. Maybe she won't even want to do it. And instead he pushes her in the other direction. But what's even more fascinating about it is it's not like Chris is coming at it from the angle of like, oh, well, me and Kim are getting, you know, separated or divorced. Anyway, there's no reason for me to try in this marriage. In his mind, they're moving to Minnesota and having kids together. So his approach to his wife that he has every intention on staying married to is to not comfort her in this time of need of her on her father's anniversary of his death. And when she's clearly longing for him to flip out at her and get mad at her. It is such a bizarre thought process. Like aside from just lacking such compassion and care, It's also just like, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. Right. I didn't understand this reaction from him. I could understand, like you said, you know, these are his religious beliefs and therefore he wouldn't want to do it. I could even understand him saying to her, like, I'm like not being entirely supportive. The way in which he reacted, like he was so mad at her for doing this was so confusing to me. Especially when she is like, you know, yes, a lot of years have passed, but Grief comes in waves, and she was in a moment of, like, deeply grieving her father. What he doesn't know is maybe that she's also looking for his guidance because she fucking hates you so much. But either way, she needed him. Next scene, minor, but just have to mention it. This is when Courtney and Scott are just messing around in bed, and Scott asks Courtney if there's any chance that she's pregnant. She's like, no, there's no way. I had my period three weeks ago. She's like, I'm not nauseous. There's no signs that I would be. Everyone just keep that in the back of your mind. And then going into the next scene with Kim and Courtney, this is when Courtney asks her if she's still doing the the reading. And she said, yes, you know, today's the eight-year anniversary of his passing. And it was the only day John had available. I know that that's a sign. And Courtney kind of says, I was talking to Scott about it. And we agreed that even if I don't understand it, I should be supportive. So I'm going to do it with you. Which, by the way, like, 
on a spectrum of being supportive, that's very far along. It was one thing to give her blessing. It was another thing to say, I'm going to sit here and do something that I, I don't feel right about, but I know how important it is for you. Well, also because it affects her too. It's not like a friend being like, I don't love this thing, but like, I'm going to sit there with you and support you while you talk to your parent through a medium. It's like, if the parent is coming through and talking to them, it's going to be for both of you. And so you're kind of like, you're kind of saying like, I'm going to do this to support you, but also like I am sacrificing some of my own beliefs here and like putting myself in this vulnerable position to possibly, and and she was so glad that she did once they did this. I mean, I think it really opened her eyes to something. And I think it was really important that she had that experience, but going into it and maybe she didn't believe in to the extent that she did after this reading. So it was like, I don't believe it anyway, but I'll be there to support you when it doesn't go the way that you think it's going to go. But yeah, it was it was it was something that she wasn't entirely left out of the equation from. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. It's not like the, you know, you pick and choose just because this person booked the reading. If the other person's in the room and something comes through, like if spirit comes through to John Edward, he's not going to not say it just because Kim's the one paying for it. Right. So, I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So John Edward comes over, he's sitting down with Kim and Courtney, and immediately he picks up on the energy of a father figure, asking them a bunch of questions. You know, they're really getting into it. And one of the first things that he mentions is them barging into the house the week their dad was dying. And Kim is turning to Courtney and saying, yeah, remember, she wouldn't let us in the house. And we just said, fuck it, we're coming. Which this is something, and I'm not trying to get into it right now, because I honestly want to make sure that I'm fully informed. I used to be, but I forget some of the details. But This period of Robert's life when he was, you know, really near death and it was obviously devastating for all of them, it's not talked about a lot, just the shit that went down, because there was some stuff with his new partner that, I mean, they were on terrible terms with her. I found this 
aside from everything else going on and everything that was said that was obviously such a vulnerable thing because they're really talking about one of the worst periods of their entire life, I found the fact that they mentioned Robert's wife and her position during this time to be one of the realest scenes that we've ever seen in Kardashians because it was this overwhelming thing of like, this is something that the audience doesn't know. And so you're now catching us in a conversation with each other that is about family stuff that we don't feel the need to like, you know, call back on things that we've told you. We don't feel the need to remember. Has this come up in conversation? We're not clearly doing this for an audience because this is something that we've chosen to keep pretty private. And so this moment of Courtney and Kim discussing something that really hadn't been discussed with the audience, maybe ever, was like, oh, this is this is really real. This is very real. And also, they didn't cut it. They very easily could have had this whole conversation with the medium and cut that one part. Right. And they made the decision not to. Right. Another thing that was really interesting here is John talking about the relationship between Chris and Robert. And, you know, what he's explaining is what he's getting from Robert. And he's saying that Chris did an honorable thing by taking on the role of the bad guy when maybe in sometimes Robert was the bad guy. And John is saying that Robert wants him to say thank you to Chris and validate what wasn't said. Again, another thing not talked about enough. And again, I want to be super clear. No part of this takes away from the way in which they speak about Robert. Like they talk about their father the highest, most beautiful way you could talk about a father. And I not for one second is any of this invalidating that. It's just showing that like, real things going on because these are real people. And just because they have passed away, it doesn't take away from like a potential, you know, relationship dynamic that maybe isn't discussed as much. And I feel like that's what he was getting at here. Right. Totally. And I also think that Chris talks about her divorce and talks about the affair that she had. And the story that she tells in the book is really her version of events. There were things that went on. And these were things that, again, was something that wasn't discussed in the show. But when you read Chris's book and you really get into the memoir, you get a very different understanding of what happened there. That's what, you know, this reading is really referring to. Oh, absolutely. And I remember when we read that book and being so fascinated by it. Remember us thinking that the woman who read it was for we like went back yes. and forth. Is this Chris? It sounded Chris? like her. It wasn't, but it sounded a lot like her. You yeah. can imagine that woman reading it, holding a martini. Yes, That's kind of the vibe. Yeah. Anyway, so you can see that as this whole thing is going on, Courtney in real time is warming up to the idea of it. And she's saying in her confessional that she definitely made the right decision being there. And he's saying things that no one could have possibly known. And she's like, you know what? Maybe it's something that we both needed, which I don't think there was any part of Kim that like needed that validation from Courtney necessarily because she was so happy to be doing it herself. But what an added bonus. Right. That like, and Courtney got something out of it and they had the shared experience. And also when watching this, you really understand why she wanted Courtney to be there so much because Courtney is one of three people plus, you know, Chris, meaning Courtney, Chloe, and Rob, that can validate what he's saying. Like they were the only people that had that shared experience, specifically Courtney and Kim, because they were the closest in age. So it, for her, yes, but also, and this wasn't the, by no means, I think this was the goal in her doing it, from an audience perspective, to have Courtney there for Kim to be able to turn to, to validate what he was saying, completely changed the experience. And from a memory perspective, I think that when you're talking about like the most traumatic time in your life, a lot of times you block certain things out. Like you'll say that to me if we're talking about something like around the time where your mom died, you're like, I honestly don't remember that. So to have another person there that's like, oh, here's this thing that he's talking about, like this specific sign that you could have forgotten about that was maybe a minor thing to you, but was a very big deal to me at that time or something that was too traumatic for you to pay attention to. But I remember it like it was so important to have that other person there. And also think for Kim doing that the first time she's ever done it and having that experience, I think it would have been incredibly lonely for her to have to like 
then recap that to somebody who didn't believe it in the first place. Exactly, exactly. Having her there was so beneficial and necessary, like across the board. So again, they're now in this reading. I know we were just going back and forth to the confessional and John asks if someone's pregnant. And Courtney's like, it's funny, the girl that just did my cleanse had a dream that I was pregnant two days ago. And he's like, I don't know, I'm just seeing twins, which means either the sign of Gemini or there's gonna be twins. And Courtney's like, well, you know, the my son's father is a Gemini. And John's like, I don't know what, but I just am telling you there is a baby coming. He's like, and I think it's two people that are gonna be pregnant at the same period of time. And of course, their first thought when talking about another child is Chloe. And John makes a comment about how there's a connection between Chloe's platinum blonde and Robert because Robert loved when her hair was platinum blonde. And when he was dying, she did that for him. And something with the pregnancy, he then asks if Chloe's miscarried. And they're saying, you know, she's been having a really hard time trying to get pregnant. And he's like, it's definitely going to happen. Which just to pause for a second, this was filmed around October 2011. Penelope was born July 2012 and North was born June 2013. So those are the quote twins he's talking about in terms of the same time period. And Courtney was about to find out in a month, basically, that she was pregnant. Yeah, I mean, she could have been pregnant at this time. At this time. It's so nuts. I mean, I'm sure watching that back, she gets the chills. But this is really interesting because, well, two things. Just one moment on the pregnancy. When he says, you know, there's going to be two pregnancies— Yes, they would have thought Courtney, and of course they all thought Chloe, and as they know, she was having a hard time getting pregnant. But at this point, Kim is pretty sure like she's ending it with Chris. So there's no part of her that thinks she's the other one. If right. anything, it's like Courtney having twins or Courtney and Chloe having a kid. Honestly, it would be Rob having a kid before Kim at this point. The last thing she expected is that she is going to have a kid. It's just not going to be with Chris. And technically, they're not even going to be divorced. And North is a Gemini. Yeah, inter- that is very interesting. And Kanye's a Gemini. Kanye's a Gemini. So this was also to me like a huge one when John asked Kim about being divorced and she said, yeah, I was before and, and now I'm married again. And he says to Kim, basically, your dad just wants to make sure that you learned from that first divorce, which was a very kind of chilling moment, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and that's the point that, you know, he's really drawing home. Like he's not saying to Kim, you know, this isn't right. He's not saying to Kim what she should do one way or another. He is just drilling home that point of like, I want to make sure that you know that you learned from the first time around. Exactly. And, you know, he ends a session by saying, you know, your dad is okay. He will continue to be connected to you and kind of just validating, which you hope. And I think you think that your loved one is is doing well and is happy, but there is something for people that have experienced it. Maybe you feel the same, maybe you don't. There can be, I should say, something validating about just hearing it from a connector, you know? Anyway, after when Kim and Courtney are debriefing, Kim kind of breaks down to her and is like, what was so crazy about that was when he was talking about the divorce stuff. That's why I started to cry because I honestly feel like I can't do this anymore with Chris. And I feel like I got into this way too fast and I don't want to be married anymore, which is when they hit us with the giant to be continued and This was definitely continued, but I mean, that was the moment and it took the reading for Kim to be able to say this to Courtney because keep in mind, she'd already said this to Chloe. Right. And she specifically said to Chloe, please don't say anything to court. I want to be the one to tell her. And it was in the immediate aftermath of this reading where she felt like the floodgates opened and she could just share it all to Courtney. Right. Especially because that experience was so bonding for them. It was like the perfect, it was the perfect end for her. But I also think that when she said it to Chloe, 
I think she knew that this relationship was done, but I don't think that she knew how quickly she had to get out of it. Whereas like after this, it was like, okay, I'm ready to like fully admit it and tell everybody like, I gotta, I gotta be done with this. Oh, and, and saying it to Courtney also feels a lot more final than saying it yes. to Chloe because they're living together. Right. Like it, it, Chloe is kind of out of sight, out of mind. I know Kim is going back to LA at the end of this, so it doesn't really matter, but it, it was a much bigger deal for saying it to a person who's in your everyday space and who's been watching what's been going on pretty intimately. Right. This was nuts. I mean, I know we we expected to do both episodes, but I we talked about episode nine a lot. It's funny. When I was watching episode nine, I did the outline. I was like, we're going to race through this. I was like, we're going to say Chris's sister comes to town, blah, 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 blah. Let's move on to episode 10. But as we were into it, I was like, wait, this is an important episode. It's very important. I mean, and I also feel like episode 10 is its own. It's, it's special. It's special. And it really, it does deserve its own. I also wonder how this would have gone if we weren't in person. Maybe we would have breezed through it. Who knows? Who knows? We just talk, 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 talk when we're together. One thing about us, we're going to talk. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, even when we're not together. (laughs) Actually, especially when we're not together. (laughs) Okay, you guys, I think that is it. We love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for being here for our first solo in studio in a while. And we will see you next week. 